Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick Bradley here, and welcome to a very special episode of Scale Up Your Business. So if I go back over all the years I've done turnarounds and scale-ups of companies, certainly back in my private equity days, there was a playbook that I used, which I loved. And the reason I loved it is that it tended to work in most situations. So whether a business was, you know, in a really bad place or whether it needed to be optimized before growth, this playbook was just amazing at its simplicity in terms of getting to what needed to be focused on in order to drive that change. Now, the reason I bring that up is that the guest I have on the show today is about as close as you get to entrepreneurship, scale-up, legend status as you can possibly get. And he is the author of that book. Now, that book is called Traction. And the author of that book, the guest on the show today is Gino Wickman. Now, for all of you avid listeners of Scale Up Your Business, you know that I talk about Gino all the time. So please forgive my sort of geekery status today when I um, have a chat with this amazing gentleman who has done so much for the world of business growth and scale up. But, you know, I only had 30, 40 minutes with a guy and I wanted to kind of get into quite a few different things. So a little bit more context. Um, He has been an entrepreneur since the age of 21, has a massive obsession with learning what makes businesses and entrepreneurs thrive. At 25, he took over the family business, which was deeply in debt and in need of help. And he turned that company around, running it for seven years, and then he successfully sold that company. Now, what we probably know him more for, though, is later on, he founded what is called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, which is a practical method for helping companies achieve scale, growth, greatness. And he has personally delivered more than 1,900 full-day sessions for more than 135 companies, helping them implement the EOS methodology. So I mentioned his book, Traction. He's also written a great book called Get a Grip. Uh, Rocket Fuel is one of my personal favorites. Um, so many really great books on scale up and business growth. You know, has sold more than a million copies of uh, these books. And he's the founder, as I said, of EOS Worldwide and has literally helped most of you who have been listening to this, I'm sure, in your business for some time. But today we are going to be talking about his new book, which is called Entrepreneurial Leap. And the mission of Entrepreneurial Leap is to find all the entrepreneurs in the making at any age, wherever they are, to help them realize their purpose and live the life they were born to live. So you could argue, and we get into this, that this is a bit of a step back. He's going into the startup journey from someone who has spent their career in the scale-up part of the journey. But there is method to this, and we're going to get into it today. And one thing I loved about reading Entrepreneurial Elite myself is that you know, some of the stuff in the middle, even though it's about are you fit to be entrepreneurial, you know, do you have the characteristics, all those sort of things. If you are an entrepreneur and you have a business, you can use the same lens, as he calls it, a glimpse, to be able to think about your business and how you can drive improvement. So this is a great conversation. As I said, you know, 
forgive me for really getting into it, getting excited on a personal level, but it's not every day that you get to have a conversation with the great Gino Wickman. So without further ado, welcome to Scale Up Your Business, Gino Wickman. Thank you, Nick. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. And we've had this sort of booked a bit in, a bit in, in the diary and it's kind of sort of gone backwards and forwards because you had, you've been unwell for a while there. Are you feeling better now? Oh, yeah. 100%. I was going to say this whole COVID thing has been disruptive in many ways. So uh, delighted to have you here. Now, listen, before we get into the main topic today, I just want to say that I have been talking about um, what you've created in terms of the books. In fact, I've got a couple of them here, this one and this one in particular. This one here has been the playbook of business scale-up for many, many people on this podcast for a number of years. So before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I just want to say a huge thank you to you. That's uh, so nice to hear and a uh, dream come true. Only 20 years in the making. <laughs> That's what most people say about entrepreneurship, isn't it? Like, you know, the idea, it looks it looks nice and easy from the outside. Yeah, overnight, actually, overnight success. But today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about your new book. We're going to talk about Entrepreneurial Leap. And the first, I suppose, comment I have for you is, haven't you got this the wrong way around? Aren't you supposed to have done this book first and then kind of this one? That is the perfect question. So, you know, ironically, I had to do it in reverse. It couldn't have been done the other way. But yes, in a linear fashion, I should have written Entrepreneurly first and then all the EOS and traction content second. But, you know, for the last 30 years, that has been my life is helping entrepreneurs. And I get entrepreneurs. It is my obsession. It is what I live and die for. And so with that, I had to have the 30 years of experience to see the genetic makeup clearly so that I could then spend the next 10 years focusing on the front end of the entrepreneurial journey and helping entrepreneurs in the making. So it's almost like a, you're saying it's like a rite of passage. A yeah, exactly, of reference. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. I am speaking from experience here. I'm not making this up and there's not one ounce of theory in what you and I are about to talk about. Awesome. Well, let, let's go into your backstory a little bit first. So you've mm-hmm. been an entrepreneur since the tender age of 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've helped... I don't know how many thousands of people with your different concepts and things around the entrepreneurial journey, the scale-up journey, you know, growing a business, building value. And one of the things I like the most is that you simplify things, concepts, frameworks, whatever, into a place where they work really, really well and they're not overly, let's call it academic in nature. Where did that come from? Let's, Let's just go back in your story a bit. Where did you come up to be able to see and crystallize these things so clearly to be able to then write the books and do the things you've done? Yeah, so I appreciate that because it all comes from the real world. And so that's just my style. And, you know, so where that comes from, I don't know that I could call on why I have such utter disdain for theoretical teaching, you know, so I just I'm obsessive in nature. And so just one sliver, because this goes back over 30 years in terms of my obsessiveness about, you know, teaching real world stuff. So one sliver is from probably age 31 to 36, the five years of creating EOS. You know, I started working with companies. Once I realized my true calling, calling, you know, I probably had EOS created and figured out in the first two, maybe three years, but I did not feel comfortable presenting it to the world. I was just working with my clients until the five-year mark. So I needed two or three more years of just proving it another year and another year. So before I fully put the finishing touches on putting it in traction, I just obsessively had to know, you know, it was right. It was proven, you know. So anyway, so I don't know where that comes from, but it's still with me to this day and it will probably be with me till the day I keel over. 
I think you answered that exceptionally well. You experimented and you tested and you iterated, right, until it, you, know, you proved the model. Because, you know, it's funny, like, you know, again, the, the people who have kind of come into that world that I have known, you know, I often say, listen, you know, because I buy businesses, I scale them up and I sell them. My background's private equity, all that sort of mm-hmm. thing, fixing, optimizing. Nice. And when people come to me and they say, listen, just what's the simplest way? What's the simplest guide? I just I just say, just just read that. That's right. Do EOS if you want to do EOS as well, if you want to take it that next step. But this is this is really, really good. So anyway, let's get into let's get into the main topic. And I'm gonna start off by saying I did the test today. Yeah. There's a little assessment you can do here. Drum which roll is whether you're entrepreneurial. Yeah. Right. Drum, and drum roll, please. I'm I can't wait to hear the score. It was 84, Gina. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, well, we'll get into it, I'm sure, in more detail, but I created an assessment called the Entrepreneur in the Making Assessment as just another data point on do you have the essential traits of being an entrepreneur? I suggest if you score 90 or higher, it's a slam dunk. You've got an 84. You're kicking yourself and licking your wounds. It's not a death sentence. If you're in the 80s, that's still pretty damn high just for the record. It's just 90 is the magic number that says you are probably an entrepreneur in the making. It was funny when, because you say at the very beginning of the assessment, you know, be honest. You've got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. The truth will set you free to some extent. Yeah. And for me, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a classic entrepreneur anyway. I mean, I was a guy, as I said, who would go into a business that had already been founded. It had solid fundamentals, let's say, but yeah. needed to be improved and optimized. So some of the things of entrepreneurship absolutely fit me. Some of the other things... I'm not. But let's go through the characteristics in as you describe them in the book, but also importantly, how you found them. Yes, for sure. And uh, um, with that, I want to start with a little bit of context just so that our audience is tracking with us, because the way that I created this content, again, with obsession over 10 years um, of just kind of working, watching, honing, refining, um, is this book is in three parts. Confirm, glimpse, and path. And it's the way that I believe this should be taught because we shouldn't be talking about how to start a great startup until we first confirm whether you should even start a business. And so we start by first confirming that you are a true entrepreneur in the making. We then go to glimpse and show you a glimpse of the life. And then we go to path to show the path to greatly increase your odds of success and eliminate half the mistakes you might make. So you're now asking a confirm question just to kind of anchor it in the context. So first, I have a very strong belief and in 30 years of this obsession with entrepreneurs and the true entrepreneurs that I know all 100% of the time have six essential traits. And so as I share these, I just want your audience to do a checkup from the neck up, scan their body as I'm saying these words and just determine if this is you. And like we already said, there's an assessment you can take at the website e-leap.com to really get another data point. But here are the six essential traits. They are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And if so, those words have described you most of your life, if not all of your life, then you're probably an entrepreneur in the making. And the very strong philosophical belief that I have is that you are born with these traits. It is nature over nurture. They can't be taught. And so that's the controversial, debatable. It is. 
yeah. it is. This is the thing, of course, you know, I'm sure this is not the first time someone's wanted to probe oh, here. For but sure. yeah, you're saying that actually, you know what, you can't, let's say, learn these things, right? So I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in kind of growth mindset. And, you know, if you really want something and you're prepared to do the work, put yourself in the environment, all those sort of things, then you can get the you can get the traits, right? You can get those sort of things. But you're saying these are innate qualities. These are things you're born with. Yeah. And, that, yeah. That's and you, so you can learn skills, traits, you can't. Look up the definition. I chose okay. that word perfect, you know, for a reason, purposefully, um, you know, so traits are ingrained in you. But I love the debate. I love the topic because I think when we disagree, it creates more clarity. And I, you know, I love this growth mindset, you know, hot topic du jour, uh, because somebody with the six essential traits, they have a growth mindset. They don't need to be taught what a growth mindset is. But nonetheless, a growth mindset is vital for everyone. I'm not knocking a growth mindset, but there's growth mindset and being an entrepreneur are not synonymous from the standpoint of only entrepreneurs have a growth mindset. Everybody should, a police officer, a nurse, a teacher, or whatever, we all need to have a growth mindset. With that, um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. In other words, I hope somebody proves that you can teach someone these six essential traits because let's look at what that means. Somebody that thinks that they can teach someone these six essential traits believes that they can teach 7.5 billion people on the planet to be entrepreneurs. And I hope everyone agrees that that is not true and accurate. I believe 4% of the population has these six essential traits. And so I'm just on a journey to help people discover that they are because the ones that aren't are being sold a bill of goods that entrepreneurship is the only option, is the greatest option, is the pinnacle in life. And it's just not. It's one of many options. And so I'm trying to save lives. I'm trying to save people from <laughs> 10 years of sheer hell. So oh, yeah. it's a cautionary tale. But by all means, if you disagree with me and you think you can learn them or you do have them, then take your entrepreneurial leap and well, go. You know, I'm just, I'm just bruised with my 84%. You know, I'm just like sitting there thinking, come on, come on, man. Like, but, and by the way, I love that you said it because this will piss off most of the private equity world. Most private equity guys are not entrepreneurs. You're really smart at buying what an entrepreneur built and taking it to the next level. Amen and hallelujah. And thank you all for using EOS because a lot of private equity uses EOS. But there's, yep. there's no shame in that. So 84 is still pretty high, just so you know. But <laughs> odds are you're not going to go out and start and build a thousand person company all by yourself. That's all that means. It's OK. No, and, and listen, you know, I'm playing around a bit here. One of the things I took from from that also is let's call it the contrasting statement. Right. There are a lot of people who have, let's call it these entrepreneurial traits, who have chosen a path which may be not the path that they really want to explore because, let's say, I don't know, their parents told them they should get a job because it equals security. Yeah. And then they're the the frustrated entrepreneur, right? You know that world. And actually what you're doing here is setting some of those free, right, by showing them things. Well, and that is the exact point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a, a, another context that I think is going to help your audience take a little sting off on what we're talking about. But you are 100% right because, yes, it's about helping someone maybe not take the leap that shouldn't or at least help them make a better decision. 
but it is about finding the entrepreneurs where they are because they don't realize they are a lot of the times. So these are people that are working in the corporate world and feel out of place. These are people that went off to college and probably need to take their entrepreneurial leap. These are people in the prison system. I personally believe 25% of all prisoners are entrepreneurs that use their skills for bad and not good. And once they realize they can use those skills for good, look out, baby. But they're in the military. They're, they're all over the place. Some of them are homeless and they're just mislabeled derelicts. So they're out there. And my goal is to find them, the 4%, as I call them. But with saying all of that, you know, I do admit I break some hearts with this first confirmed step because somebody that really wants to be an entrepreneur and scores a 50, odds are, it's going to be 10 years of misery for you trying to build a company with lots of people. But here's where I take the sting off a little bit. OK. And so in the book, I teach something called the entrepreneurial range. OK. And so you may recall this, but if you picture an arc in your mind out there and on the far right side of the arc, picture the words true entrepreneur on the far left side of the arc, picture the words self-employed. And so anybody with their own business is somewhere on that entrepreneurial range. But the people on the far left end of the range, these are the one person shows. These are somebody with a side hustle. This is the, the freelancer. This is somebody with a lifestyle business on the far right side of the range. The true entrepreneurs, these are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Henry Ford, Sarah Blakely, Walt Disney, so the point is, if you are self-employed, if you have your own business, you're somewhere on that range. And what I'm speaking to and teaching are the people on the right half of the range, people that build companies with employees. And so the point in all of this, there's no shame if you start a business, take your leap, and you're a one-person show. That's admirable. That's respectable. There's nothing wrong with being a consultant being a handyman or a handywoman, whatever it is, going out and charging an hourly rate, making six figures, oh my God, you are free. I just don't consider that a true entrepreneur. That's all we're talking about. Yeah, so it's not, I get that. it's not a death sentence, you know, if you're if you're not on that half of the range and you didn't score a 90 and above. It comes out clearly, I think, in the way you articulate in the book as well, because mm -hmm. this is where, you know, to jump into this to, to a second, it's like, You've got a lot of people who use the word entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial as the kind of like overcatching for like I'm yes. self-employed or I'm going to do that. What you're saying here, though, is actually you're getting right to the kind of like called the focus point of what an entrepreneur is, you know, making big change, those things, bold decisions, bigger sort of things, whereas actually what, what a business owner could be a solopreneur or they could end up being, uh, as you said, a business, you know, someone who's just self-employed. And there's a difference. 100%. You are exactly right. We have a couple of couple of fans here as well, so I'm just going to do a shout out very quickly. So John Britton said, "Huge fan of Traction, recommended to everyone I speak to. Great to hear you. Great to have you on Scale of Your Business, Juno." And then uh, Gaia Freya has said, "I've literally just recommended Rocket Fuel to a client of mine about an hour ago." Oh, that's so great. So, yeah, so now you've got to recommend this one to all the yeah. other people, right? <laughs> yeah. And on that note, you know, one of the parts of this mission. So the goal is to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making over the next ten years. And one of the ways I'm doing it is by joining forces with collaborators. And so this is anyone that loves helping entrepreneurs in the making. I give you all my content for free. You get to teach it to the world. So that's all at the website at e-leap.com. But I, because I know you have successful entrepreneurs in your audience saying they're going, why am I listening to this content about becoming an entrepreneur? Well, that's one of the ways you may benefit by this content. The other thing that I learned, though, is when a successful entrepreneur reads this book, it 
reinvigorates them and totally lights them up because you're about to read your life story. It's it's your biography, quite frankly. Yeah, and I want to get into um, the glimpse part of this now because mm-hmm. you talk about a couple of concepts, the entrepreneurial nightmare and the entrepreneurial dream. Yes. So let's, let's paint the picture here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and with that, I always like to create a little context. So what I do in glimpse, the whole idea behind glimpse, if you now see the psychology of what's happening, we first confirm that you are. And if you are, what I do in Glimpse is I'm trying to show you the light. I'm trying to show you the life. I'm trying to show you what it looks like because if I can get it into your brain and have a glimpse, it will instantly eliminate half the mistakes you're about to make. So what I do is three things in Glimpse, and I'm going to save the third one for what you're asking about. First, I just share countless real-world stories of entrepreneurs who were right where you are and how they built what they built. Number two, I share all of the options. And so I created something called My Biz Match, which is a 20-minute free tool on the website. It just helps you understand all of the options as an entrepreneur, all the industries, types of businesses, product, service, B2B, B2C, high cost, low volume, low cost, high volume, and size. And the point in that message is, Tech billion-dollar unicorns are not the only entrepreneurial option, okay? A $5 million heating and cooling company is a success as an entrepreneur, you know, with 50 people. So what it does, though, is it helps you decide what you're built for. And then the third thing I do, as you're asking about, is I show you a day in the life, both heaven and hell, with an intent of getting you to not end up in a day of hell or a life of hell, as most entrepreneurs do, and show you a day in heaven and that it's doable. Because then I share the eight critical mistakes that you must avoid so that you don't live a day in hell or a life in hell as an entrepreneur. And so that's what it's all about, is helping you avoid those eight critical mistakes that almost every one of our EOS clients makes as they're building and growing their business. And they're all avoidable, as I avoided them building EOS worldwide over 20 years. This was this was the favorite part of the book for me, to be honest, because I think, you know, as much as you set the context up, as you said, to sort mm-hmm. of say, are you an entrepreneur or are you not by the definition that you have put there? Yeah. But actually the bit in the middle, right? Because a lot of us, a lot of us are in that space. You know, a lot of the people mm-hmm. who are listening to this now are in that space or they've seen, as you know, to use your word, a glimpse of the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had a really great day. And then the next day, it's been a really challenging day. Oh, yes. But, Let's go through some of the eight now if we can, right? I and then I want to kind of go I through love, the vision piece. So let's go. Yeah, I would love to. And with this, what I'll do is just give you a high overview of the eight. And you know your audience better than I do. So you pick the one or two that you'd love to drill down on. But I yeah, love yeah. that you said what you said because there's a benefit of this book I did not anticipate. And that is for an entrepreneur that has taken their leap. And it's a great way to do a checkup on did they make the right decision? You know, should they have done this and are they in the right business? And certainly a checkup on these eight critical mistakes, because are they making them right now? All avoidable. Here they are. High level. Number one, not having a vision. Number two, hiring the wrong people. Number three, not spending time with your people. Number four, not knowing who your customer is. Number five, not charging enough. Number six, not staying true to your core. Number seven, not knowing your numbers. And number eight, not crystallizing roles and responsibilities. Okay, there's three three that jump out. There's three that jump out, right? Yeah. This is just my personal thing, right? So I want to talk about vision. Yeah. 
I want to talk about um, people as yeah. in like, you know, hiring, making sure you've got the right, the right team. Yeah. And, you know, to the point you said at the end, sort of staying in your lane or not, this mm-hmm. idea of the shiny object about I might go there. So perhaps that's around losing focus. Yeah, so for sure. Let's cover well, those three if we can. Love it. So not having a vision is obvious. Obviously, when you take your leap, you've got to have a vision. Not necessarily a business plan, not necessarily a detailed plan, because that's actually dangerous in the startup mode, because sometimes you're adjusting the plan every month, but you have to have a vision. When we get into PATH, there's a tool I teach and offer called My Vision Clarifier, and it gets you to think about eight aspects of your vision. So I'm going to bring that tool into this conversation right now, free and downloadable on the website. But the point here is you have to have a vision. First and foremost for yourself, but what happens with an entrepreneur is the vision's always in their head and it's pretty clear, but they do a horrible job conveying it to people. And as you start your business, you've got to articulate a crystal clear vision, number one, for your people, assuming you have people, because we're confusing our people. They're they're staying with us due to your sheer inspiration, energy, and motivation, and they're just following you aimlessly, well, you need a vision because that's only going to last so long and the wheels are going to start coming off. You need a vision for your customers. You need a vision if you have investors for your investors. So you got to have a clear vision uh, and most don't. And they just kind of bump along. And when they finally pin that vision down, all of a sudden things really start to take off. So really simple tool, my vision clarifier, to help you have that vision so that you start a better startup, as we like to say. Let's stay on this for a couple of seconds. Please, yeah. So, so in terms of you said some people don't have a vision, what, what about the entrepreneurs who start with a vision, but they lose it? You know, something happens, you know, there, there's a disruption out there and all of a sudden yeah. the clarity of what they had beforehand goes. Yeah. How often do you recommend that people should be looking at their vision, revising their vision, you know, keeping it so it's something that's organic and live in the business? Yeah. And one of the things I teach in PATH is I call it having a plan A, B, C, and D. And so that's what you're getting to there because what we're talking about is have a vision. Yes, to your point, that vision is going to change. Okay. It's going to change. And again, this is more of what I teach in PATH because it's a psychology and it's a mentality. It's a mindset that says this vision I have on paper right now is going to change. How often it changes is different for every entrepreneur. If you're making cell phones or you're managing apartment buildings, those two things move at very different speeds. So sometimes your vision and plan changes in a week, sometimes a month, sometimes a quarter, and sometimes you're lucky enough to make it two years before it changes, but it will change. There's no perfect time. And so when it does, when you get your ass kicked, when you realize, holy crap, the world doesn't want this vision, you got to make a course correction. You got to go to plan B. We have all had that happen to us. Anyone that has built a business from zero to, let's say, 40 employees, at least once you've had to change your vision and plan, and probably about five times just for the record. Hopefully that is. Yeah, that's easy. I I always say seven, seven iterations. I love it. I love (laughs) it. That's just my personal experience, right? Oh, great. And, you know, and I think the other thing is people sometimes get stuck. And that's why I want to kind of bold italics underline this point is people think they create a vision once, right? A lot of businesses, that's my vision. I I love this thing. I have to hold on to it as opposed to realizing that it's a tool. In many cases, the thing that's going to give you that end game of what you're trying to create. So you've got to be flexible with it. Yeah, And I I love it. And and again, I always, again, I'll go back to context. With Glimpse, I'm just saying you have to have a vision. So if I can burn that into the entrepreneur's brain, 
Empath is when I'm readying their brain to say, don't fall in love with your vision because it's going to change. So that's what you're talking about. They fall in love with their vision and they actually think that's the final vision. The first plan is never the final plan. In the history of building a company with people, it's it's never the final plan. Okay, there's a mic drop moment there. That, that's going to end up when my team do the promotion of this episode. <laughs> they're they're going to get that quote. They're going to plaster it everywhere because it's true. Because because I do think it's a it's one of those myths and fallacies that people believe until they kind of get into it and they realize that just changing that one thing can then unlock some different thoughts, different ideas, which can get you back on a pathway to growth, particularly yeah, stuff. Yeah, right, and I can't help myself because now we go back to those six essential traits and why they're vital because the person that is so focused, attached to, rigid with their vision that is unwilling to change, that's a classic example that they don't have all the essential traits because that ability to take a risk, to adjust, to bob, to weep, to be visionary, if you look at those traits, they enable you to make the change where people that don't have the traits, they just, they they continue to work that vision and plan to their death. And now the death is typically the death of the business, not their own death, but they look pretty close to dead at the end of that when their business ran into the ground. And, and, it, feel, and it feels the same. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, you know, well, the, the perception of it anyway. Yeah. All right. Let's get into um, the second point, which is people. So, the, you know, the yeah. concept of how do you surround yourself with the right people and what does that look like? Yeah. And, and so remember, what we're talking about here are the eight critical mistakes that almost every entrepreneur make. And I'm helping you avoid those mistakes. So the mistake is the entrepreneur starts the business sells a few things, generates some revenue, reaches capacity, and now they need a body. And so they grab the closest body to them that they can. So they hire their neighbor, their best friend, their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, their cousin, and they just throw them into the business, fill that gap for a moment, keep growing, reach capacity, need another person, grab the closest one. And what they find themselves one, two, three years in is they're surrounded by all the wrong people because they were just looking for a body. Well, that's the critical mistake most entrepreneurs make. The way you solve that is before you hire anyone, you slow hire, quick fire, but you mm-hmm. look for people that have your core values. It's a simple formula. You look for people that have the three to seven core values that define you. And, and before you hire that person, you make sure they're going to fit in your culture. Because if you don't, and this is what we help our EOS clients do, you're going to have 20 to 50% turnover because you're going to get rid of half those people. And occasionally it's your mother or your brother. Okay. And I've seen it many, many times. I've had many a clients fire their mom and fire their brother or sister. So be careful. Don't hire the wrong people. Don't just grab a body in the early stages. Make sure it's somebody that has your core values. What, what about what about the, the thinking though that you know you have different different people, you know, to use your terminology from previous books, right people, right seats you know, yeah. for certain phases of growth. So even though, you know, they might have they might have been right at the beginning, you know, your grandma might have been the right person to answer the phones in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I'm purposely not going too deep because what I just talked about is right person, then there's right seat. And so when we get into path and we talk about the structure of the organization and the org chart, you then have to find the people that not only have your core values, but that have the skill set to do the job. So I go into more detail and path on that, but that's the ideal that you're looking for. They have your core values. They have the skill set to do the job based on where you're going. 
And then the other sad reality is, you know, let's pretend you have some great success in the first year or two and you start to build a team around you and let's call it a leadership team at that point. Rarely, if ever in the history of business, if you're going to build, let's pretend a hundred person company, the leadership team that you start with is not the one that you end with. And so the way that you asked your question, I would caution the entrepreneur it is rare that you're gonna build the perfect leadership team to take you all the way to the finish line. And so you build the team that you need for now, and then you just keep making the right people moves as the organization grows. And there are people that the company is just going to outgrow. And so with our clients that have typically 10 to 250 employees, 80% of the time there's a change to their leadership team to get them to the next level. And it's one of the reasons that they're stuck. And in many cases, I've had clients replace everyone on the leadership team to get to the next level. Hopefully that answers the question. It answers the question. And I want to ask one more on that just because yeah, it's interesting and it popped into my head is how do you know as the entrepreneurial leader, if that person is you? Uh, how do you know if you're the right entrepreneur for the company? No, no if, you were, if, you're, if it's the time for you to be the person who leaves the, leaves the seat. <laughs> as a leadership team member? As a leader, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. As, in, as in running the company possibly yeah. as well, you know, at that point, because there's a point where, you know, you know, you see this, don't you, that the person who starts a business is not necessarily the person who can scale it. Well, that's it's two different answers. That's why I'm asking you, are you asking on behalf of the entrepreneur trying to decide, am I still in the right seat or a leadership team member? Because it's literally two different answers. So which give the entrepreneur. So so if I if I'm the person who founded the business and I yeah. and the business is growing, there's a point where actually I'm the person who probably yeah. needs to. So here's what's important about that. There's one of two things that are going to happen. You're always the right person if we're on glimpse right now, everybody. So context, confirm glimpse path. In glimpse, I told you about my biz match. Again, the tool exists on the website, 20 minute exercise. If you're building the perfect business for you, size is a factor. And if you realize that you're an entrepreneur that only wants to build a 40 person, $5 million company, there is no shame in that. You don't have to build every company to a, bill, a billion. If that's you, you might be the right entrepreneur forever and you might retire or sell that business someday. But if you're growing to a billion, there's like a less than 1% chance that you're still the entrepreneur at the helm of that billion dollar company. And at some point you need to tap out. I sold EOS Worldwide when we hit somewhere between 100 and 200 people because it was not fun to me. The company was growing up. I like to, I like to build things, scrappy, hand-to-hand -hand combat startups and building it into something. So I always jokingly say, the second we created an employee handbook, I tapped out. So, <laughs> so, so the point in that is I was smart enough to know I'm not the right visionary. I'm not the right entrepreneur for this company to the next level. And so I sold. So that's the answer to the question that you're asking. Hopefully that makes sense. No, it's and a perfect answer. It's a yeah, perfect and answer. for leadership team members, you're getting into advanced stuff. And if we're talking to entrepreneurs in the making, uh, they've no, got- No, it was more you. I mean, and, and, and listen, I'm glad that you used the example of what you did with, with EOS as well, because I wanted to get a little bit of an insight into that decision, but I can see it, the way you answered that question. Here, great. here, man. I, I like to create and build stuff. And at that level, I was worrying about big company issues, and that's no fun to me. Well, that's that tap out and hand pass is was normally to a person like me. Yeah, so that was exactly. And that's exactly what we did. We sold to an amazing private equity company, and there's a leadership team in place, most of who we put in place, that they love these big company issues. They love it. I don't get it, but they love it. So it's in the hands of the right people now. Love it. 
All right, we're going to delve into one more um, before we start to wrap things up. So yeah. the last one was this idea of kind of, you know, getting distracted, I think. Well, you, you explained it to me, so I want to make sure that I've, I've actually yeah. read it. And understood it. But you said it well, because the, the, the critical mistake, this is number six, is not staying true to your core. And so what happens is as you become successful as an entrepreneur, as your business becomes more and more successful, there are opportunities coming at you that distract you. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, they all look great. And so there's a great quote that says, in business, the more successful you are, you're more likely to die of indigestion of too many opportunities <laughs> than from starvation of not enough. So the point is, you've got things coming at you, ideas that are very shiny. So we lovingly call it shiny stuff. The whole idea is stay true to your core. If your goal is to build a $20 million company, and you can build a $20 million company in your core, why would you start bolting all kinds of stuff on? And that's one of the cardinal sins and mistakes that an entrepreneur makes is they start getting into all this other stuff. All of a sudden, they find themselves in five different businesses, stuck at 5 million, trying to grow to 20. And so it's just too distracting. And so the idea is to stay focused, stay true to your core until you exhaust every opportunity there, then maybe go try something else. Why do you think it's a classic entrepreneurial issue or problem. Why yeah, because, do entrepreneurs do it? Yeah, because if you look at the six essential traits, that is inherently somebody who has ADD almost 95% of the time. And so they just cannot focus. They just love opportunities and ideas. They love to play and tinker. And so it is hard to keep them focused. But again, if you want to build something great, you've got to focus. Statistically, the entrepreneur that focuses is further ahead than the one that doesn't. And so it's just the genetic makeup of a true entrepreneur. It's ADD at its finest. Yeah. I mean, when I, I know from my own personal experience of, of starting and scaling, the first business I took to seven figures was in one thing with, with a huge amount of kind of discipline to stay focused. Exactly. And then after that, there's a little bit of spread betting that can happen, a little bit exactly. more speculation. But you've got to play in that lane to get that first, exactly. first traction, to use your word. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's, let's, let's start to wrap this up. So we've covered so far the traits, which are excellent. We know that I got an 84. We know that that's not bad. We've covered yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We've glimpsed into the world of, you know, the hard days and the good days. The one thing just on that before we move on, I think, Please. is the dream, yeah. you know, the, the good day, the reality of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's obviously why people do it, right? This mm -hmm. idea that you have choice, you have freedom, you have impact, you have wealth. Yeah. Right. What is it, just your personal, your personal journey around that? I mean, you know, just, just to share this, was, was there a point in time where you thought, you know what, this isn't going well, I'm not going to make it, but you had the, the vision was driving you forward? I'd just like to understand a bit more about that from your side. Well, well, there were lots of those. So let's talk about the dream and then I can give you some examples if you even need them. But there's lots of those, what the hell did I do moments? You better believe it. Uh, that's just part of the process. But, you know, when we talk about the dream you know, a day in the life, heaven, what that looks like is a couple examples are, are when you show up for your weekly meeting surrounded by a leadership team that are all rock stars and are engaged in the business and you're talking about and solving great issues and you've got clients and customers sending you testimonials as to how much they love the value that you're providing. The day you cut distribution checks and profit sharing checks to your partners and your employees. I mean, those are the things. The day that you you have the freedom to show up for your kid's soccer game, or as I did every year for 20 years, take the month of August off. 
Those are all examples of the dream and it's all so doable. It's just sadly 95% of entrepreneurs live in the nightmare because they're making all these mistakes that we just described. So, so that's a snapshot and a glimpse. I do like a three page riff on what the dream fully looks like. We don't have time for that here, but absolutely the holy shit moments. You know, I mean, we changed the business model at least twice in terms of major changes. We were struggling the first year and a half, barely making it. Uh, so it's there were some holy shit, what did I do moments? Because, you know, in those moments, I say to myself, I should have just stayed an EOS implementer, worked with my clients direct. Life would have been so much simpler. But you have those moments of doubt. And if you have the six essential traits, they, that moment of doubt lasts a couple hours. And then you just get refired up and back at it and keep growing and all that good stuff. And one of the things you talk about in the path part is you talk about, you know, um, guides and mentors. Yeah. So so how important has that been to you, having a good mentor or having someone who's been there and you can learn from both the successes and failures? Yeah. And, and on that, again, always with context. So now we're into path. What I do in path is there's there's about eight chapters. It's all about college or not. If you're at that age, how to discover your passion, how to find a mentor as you're talking about tenure thinking eight disciplines to increase your odds, the nine stages of growth, and then how to stay motivated and educated. And so you're asking about mentoring. And so what I teach there is, you know, if you don't find a mentor, you're going to be fine. You'll still succeed. But to have a mentor, it's like a speed pass. You'll learn faster. And so let's pretend you decide you want to build a $20 million um, insurance company. I'm just trying to pick something. So if you can find the owner of a $20 million insurance company to mentor you, you are going to get there a heck of a lot faster than trying to figure it on your own. It's simple math. And so I teach a very specific process. Ironically, my dad wrote a book called Mentoring with Terry Shoney. So he's the expert on mentoring. And so what I did is I just took a couple snippets from his book and it is truly a process. It's it's finding those people. It's making sure you have a list of five or 10 because 80% are going to tell you no. It's reaching out to them, asking if they'll meet with you, spending an hour with them. And if the meeting feels right, asking them to mentor you and then creating a format. So there's a process to the whole thing. And so I was blessed with two amazing mentors in my life that made a huge impact. Um, and so that's the quick snapshot on mentors. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was just curious about at what point in the journey those those mentors came. Was there a point where you were struggling in the beginning and then some, Then you, you personally engaged a mentor or did you work it all out yourself? So I actually had three really key mentors. And so my first mentor was uh, my dad at age 24, Sam Cup at age 26. My dad was kind of my leadership mentor. Sam Cup was my business mentor. And then Dan Sullivan of the Strategic Coach Program, we became my mentor at age 30. And so those were kind of the key mentors. And so when you say, well, you know, was I struggling and I went and sought the mentor, you know, I almost felt like I was just kind of lucky. It's not like I was purposefully looking for a mentor because I didn't even know what the heck that word meant back then. I was just fortunate enough to find these people, but I was also savvy enough to ask them for their help. You know, I was savvy enough to figure out how to attach myself to these people and not let go of them and them want me to stay attached to them. So, you know, it's not like I said, will you be my mentor? What's the format? It just kind of happened. But I was also a great student, you know, and so I also teach some of the things my dad teaches about mentoring and what you do to the degree you have feedback back to your mentor so they can see you're applying what they're teaching 
that keeps the mentor wanting to stay in the relationship because their legacy is being passed on. So I was just doing all of those things right that I explained in that chapter, not by design, but I somehow I figured it out. You know what I mean? (laughs) I do. And you know what? You've done a really good job today. I've been trying to kind of jump around and try and break up your structured thinking. Not going to let you. Not going to happen. Not going to (laughs) happen. No, you've done really well. well, I had to to have a go. I said before this conversation, I thought, you know what I'm going to try and do? He's so well, he's got everything so well laid out in these books. I'm going to try and break that down. Yeah. Appreciate you trying, though. I do appreciate it. Well, I think, you know, at the end of the day, what that means is people have to read the book, right? They have to read the book cover to cover and go through it. But I have to say, from my personal experience, you can dip into these things, you can dip into parts of this, and you can get a really good insight and take action on. So I know there is a structure to it, but equally speaking, the independent parts of this are really, really valuable as well. Yeah, and I, you know, and I'll make a crazy statement on that, though, because, you know, I'm not the kind of author that's doing this to hawk books, and I'm not trying to hawk books. So I'm a teacher at heart, and I believe what we've talked about, you know, in this last hour is going to help a lot of people without even reading the book. Remember, there's a ton of tools for free on the website, e-leap.com. The first 30 pages of the book is available for free on the website. So my style is to give it away. And if this is feeling good to you, then please don't just buy the book to read it. Buy the book to study it. You need to read that book three times. So don't skim it. Don't read it, study it, but you can play with a whole lot of free stuff before you even go to that book for what that crazy statement is worth. No, it's great. I've had had to play around on that as well over the last couple of weeks, so it's great. Nice. Well, listen, Gino, it's been awesome having you on the show. I just want to reiterate again, you know, and thank you on behalf of the Scale Up Your Business listeners and everyone else on their entrepreneurial journeys, how much you've assisted and helped them. So my final question, you've talked about this a little bit tonight already, is where can people reach out to you? Um, you know, get to learn more about everything that you do. Fantastic. Well, e-leap.com is the epicenter of all things entrepreneurial leap. Like I said, ton of free tools. The three tools we talked about that are the most impactful are the entrepreneur in the making assessment, confirm, my biz match glimpse, my vision clarifier path. We call that the one, two, three roadmap. If you just Fill out those three tools, takes about an hour, it will give you a roadmap to start a better startup. And then, like I said, if you have interest in teaching this content to entrepreneurs in the making, please become a collaborator. Click on the collaborator button, join forces. Like I said, I give you all my content for free. This is a passion project. We're here to help a million entrepreneurs in the making over the next 10 years slash eight and a half years because we're already a year and a half in. Love it. Love it. We'll make sure that all of those links are uh, on the show notes and Appreciate the website that. and all that stuff as well. So excellent. We're at the end of the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, as I said, it's been a great conversation. And uh, yeah, I, I, I geeked out a little bit. I've got a bit excited. I was ready for this, but yeah, I very much so. So I'm very grateful for your time today, Gina. Had a blast, Nick. Thank you so much for your time. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale-up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.